Hello, this is Shoshana Pupka with the Ava Torah series Simcha recording 40. As mentioned, we're going to spend the next few weeks exploring mindfulness in two contexts, within Judaism, as well as within our broader goal of increasing and sustaining long-term happiness. And we'll be pulling from a number of different books, but I'd like to draw your attention to two in particular. The first is called Mindfulness in Plain English. And I apologize that I can't figure out how to pronounce the author's name, but if you type the title into Amazon, it's the first book that pops up. And while the market is inundated with books on mindfulness, the reason why I recommend this one is because, as John Kabat-Zinn, who we'll talk more about, writes in his review, this one is a masterpiece. It's written in simple, straightforward, and really relatable language. And at the same time, the content is rich with the benefits of incorporating mindfulness into daily life and how to get started. The second book is entitled Mindfulness, A Jewish Approach by Dr. Jonathan Feiner. And known to his friends and colleagues as Yoni, Dr. Feiner has written an incredible book synthesizing the contemporary study of mindfulness with the timeless wisdom of Judaism. In his words, mindfulness not only is consistent with Jewish practice, it's at the very heart of Judaism. It's part of the very fabric of Jewish living. And what permeates his book is not only the incredible sources, the footnotes, and the practical tips, but you can almost hear Dr. Feiner's voice, one which is consistently genuine and sensitive, thoughtful, and insightful. One reference which highlights what I mean is something he says on the very first page of the book. He writes, Often, the moment I sit down to read, I'm either trying to consume the material as quickly as possible, or I'm distracted by everything else occurring in my life. And reading his words, I so deeply relate. And personally, I would stretch this reality one step further because for me, it's a constant struggle to read and learn solely for my own personal growth, to not think about whether I can and will repackage what I'm learning in order to teach it. And for some, this may not seem to pose as a contradiction, but believe me when I tell you that personal growth needs to be just that, personal And the moment I find myself learning or reading and simultaneously thinking about teaching that material, it diminishes from the private and personal essence of authentic growth. And so I deeply relate to Dr. Feiner's words when he says that in writing his book on mindfulness, he found himself to be not only a guide, but also very much a participant. The last point of introduction that I'd like to share is that learning about mindfulness often leads to the encouragement to begin a meditation practice, to practice the skills which nurture our ability to be more mindful. And while I've been dabbling in meditation for a long time now, 
I still struggle to figure out how to do so consistently. But I want to pause and just give a shout out to my 16-year-old daughter who practices meditation daily, even if it's only for a few minutes. And she's been guided for the most part by the 10% Happier app. And she's learned that when it comes to meditation, it's really all about process and not outcome. And she's begun to really feel into what Viktor Frankl writes in his introduction to Man's Search for Meaning when he says, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success like happiness can't be pursued. It must ensue and it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself. Very, very powerful words. So let's spend just a few minutes explaining what mindfulness is and what it isn't. Because in the past few decades, mindfulness has gained tremendous popularity as both a formal practice as well as just a way of being, of living. And as with anything that gets mass marketed, some products out there are authentic and some are knockoffs. Mindfulness was initially introduced to the Western world and actually more specifically to the medical community by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, a pain medicine physician at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. Dr. Zinn, Dr. John Kabat-Zinn struggled to find antidotes for patients who suffered with chronic pain. And after studying mindfulness and meditation for years under some of the most authentic of teachers, he founded the Stress Reduction Clinic in 1979. And in this capacity, he developed an eight-week course known as MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. And since its founding, MBSR has been applied to so many different contexts, and it has become the subject of many, many scientific studies. What Dr. Kabat-Zinn saw firsthand was not a decrease in physical pain among his patients. Instead, what he witnessed was individuals learning how to live with and even thrive with their pain. He saw patients engaging in activities that they had previously avoided. He saw a reduction in the number of unhealthy activities they were using to distract themselves from pain. And he saw his patients ruminating less and less about their limitations and instead thinking more and more about what they wanted and what they could do. There was a reduction in overall levels of anxiety and depression and an increase in feelings of hope. And here's where the real mindfulness and the knockoffs part ways. Real mindfulness, authentic meditation practices are not about avoiding reality. They're about running straight into reality. Mindfulness doesn't aim to shelter from the pains of life. Instead, the goal is to experience life exactly as it is and learn to cope 
with exactly what you find. In the words of Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, you can delve so deeply into life and all its aspects that you can pierce the pain barrier. Now, I remember reading these words years ago and thinking, how is that even possible? I was so convinced that this approach is only effective for those who sit on a mountaintop, whether it be a real mountaintop or one in a person's mind, in other words, escaping their own reality. But as I hope you'll see as we continue to develop this idea, mindfulness and meditation are effective for every single one of us. And actually, it's only effective if we're willing to confront what Dr. John Kabat-Zinn calls full catastrophe living. The highs, the lows, and everything in between. Give it some thought, and we'll continue next week.